Welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for FootballOutsiders.com, part of Edge Sports. It's the Friday leading into Week 10's games, so today I'm going to talk about my favorite DFS plays for the week. Before I get there, I want to mention with you we have an exclusive offer for you from Football Outsiders, the innovators of modern football analytics and proprietary metrics you know and love, like DVOA and DYAR. Those metrics are used by teams, and they're also great tools for fantasy players. So get the most out of your fantasy teams and DFS lineups with an FO Plus package. You can become an outsider today with promo code FANTASY25, and that'll save you 25% off site-wide. That's code FANTASY25 to save 25% off site-wide on all of Football Outsiders' test, uh, tools and statistics. In addition, this episode is brought to you by Edge Sports, trusted by Super Bowl champions and billion-dollar betting syndicates. Only Edge Sports offers you fully customizable probability engine, interactive matchup models, and spread and over-under projections. So you can find your edge today with the promo code FANTASY50, which will save you 50% off site-wide. That's code FANTASY50 to save 50% off site-wide on all of Edge Sports packages. Maybe give you a little bit of a shorter show today because, hey, it's uh, apparently Masters Weekend in the middle of November, and that's not the only place uh, in America right now having some weather-related issues, which I'm going to touch on a little bit later in this episode. But my featured game for Week 10 is going to be the Chargers at Dolphins. I'm not trying to make a habit of having Justin Herbert be sort of the featured quarterback every week. It's just kind of playing out that way because he's been so excellent. And I see him as a little bit of a surplus this week, $300 surplus in DraftKings at $6,600 price. $150 $150 surplus in FanDuel at 8000 But the reason I think it's probably less extreme of a surplus than I'm normally seeing, given that I have Herbert as a normal top five quarterback starter at this point, is that he's facing a Dolphins team that is very good, in particular defensively very good against the pass. They're the number eight DVOA pass defense versus the number 29 DVOA run defense. And while that hasn't led the Dolphins opponents yet to run the ball a lot more frequently than they pass the ball relative to their typical standards. We've seen that happen with some other teams with similar splits. Most notably, I would say the Kansas City Chiefs from the last few years have had that sort of split. And so I would say the teams that play the Dolphins that maybe aren't, uh, that are better equipped to not get blown out by them, I would expect them that to sort of happen more going forward in the future. And given that sort of trend and given just the general defensive excellence of the team, Herbert drops to six for me this week among quarterbacks. In addition to the pass and run play tendencies, the Dolphins also cut passing touchdowns per pass attempt by 20%, and they're an increaser of both interceptions and passing fumbles per dropback. So two other factors that could make this a little bit harder, despite the consistency that that Herbert has shown so far in his career. Not my favorite week to play him. Uh, The running backs in this game are, are all kind of fascinating. Honestly, I'm not even sure what to tell you to do. For the Chargers, I mean, you probably want to start a running back to try to take advantage of the relative weakness of the Dolphins' defense, but I just don't really know who to tell you to start. Uh, Justin Jackson suffered a knee injury in warm-ups last week and unexpectedly, effectively missed that game. I think he might have gotten in for two or three snaps, but didn't really lead to much. And so kind of out of nowhere, I would say Kalen Ballage ended up getting a lot of run. He had 17 touches last week versus just 14 for Joshua Kelly. And I would say that that trend could continue just given how effective Ballage was last week and given that Kelly has kind of been one of the least effective backs in in football so far this season. Negative 121 rushing DYAR, that's 100 less than pretty much every other running back. So Kelly, I mean, I think we were seeing him getting passed by the week before with Troy Main Pope, but Pope actually had a concussion that missed him for last week and he could be back this week. So we may end up with three relevant running backs here. And it's going to kind of give you some guesswork about who to, to pick. So I'm not going to tell you to put 
Valage in all of your your DFS lineups, but if you want to take a little bit of a risk for more of a tournament play, he's only five thousand dollars in DraftKings, and I see him as a surplus there, even assuming a little bit of a workload split this week. So it's something that you can kind of kind of do as a risk there. The Dolphins are a top ten increaser of yards per carry and a slight increaser of touchdowns per carry so far, but maybe that could increase going forward too. So Valage is a little bit of a risk, but I think he's a, somebody you could consider. And kind of along a similar lines, DeAndre Washington for the Dolphins, I see he has a, a mild surplus in both DraftKings and FanDuel, more so in FanDuel, I would say, at a $4,500 price tag. But another situation where the backfield, in my mind, is very uncertain, Miles Gaskin, the number, the, the normal starter um, at running back for the team, he's still on injured reserve. Matt Breida is questionable with a hamstring injury that cost him the game last week. And so if Breida ends up playing... Uh, this this is probably less of an endorsement here for Washington, but if he if he does miss the game, then Washington probably better fits in that mold of the Gaskin and Breida type of back with a little bit more versatility than say Jordan Howard, who obviously he's he, I mean he's provided a little bit of fantasy value this year because he's been scoring in near the goal line when he's played, but he's just very ineffective, very inefficient, not really contributing much from the passing game. So I could see Washington kind of coming out of nowhere. The team traded for him last week, but he had to sit out at the game because of COVID rules for players who change teams. So he may be completely off your radar at this point, but I really don't hate him in this spot. The Chargers have been a top five booster of yards per carry for running backs. And so this could be basically a player coming completely out of nowhere to providing you with double digit touches this week. And I think that's kind of worth the gamble. Again, probably more a tournament play consideration than an every lineup type of player. But uh, yeah, I think that's somebody you could consider as well. Shifting to wide receivers, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, both players that in my mind are pretty much every week starts at this point. But I actually like Williams more than Allen this week, at least relative to their price tags. I see Williams as a surplus. He's at, what, 5900 in FanDuel. Uh, I, I don't have his price right in front of me in DraftKings, but still a mild surplus in both of those. He had scored three touchdowns in his previous three games heading into week nine, and he had two touchdown opportunities that touched his fingertips that he wasn't able to pull down. Sadly for the team, the second one coming at the end of the game, which would have won them the game, which on the next play, they obviously famously lost again when Donald Parham couldn't couldn't haul it in. But Williams, I, I talk about this a lot, but is one of the premier touchdown scorers in football. And it's been true again this year, 0.085 opportunity adjusted receiving touchdowns per target. Only Mike Evans has more among wide receivers with 40 or more targets this season. And so while the Dolphins, I would say, have two of the best cornerbacks in football in Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, Williams is just so big and so explosive, athletic, great leaping ability, all those types of things that make him a little bit more difficult to just defend with, you know, any cornerback, doesn't matter how good. So I'm going to say he's probably a little bit of a safer play, uh, whereas Keenan Allen, his price tags are getting a little bit more expensive. Finally, DraftKings 7,100, FanDuel 7,800. And so in my mind, with a difficult matchup there for Allen, he's a, a, a shortfall in value, not somebody I'm looking to play this week the way I normally would. As mentioned, Howard and Jones, both excellent cornerbacks. They're both above average in yards per target allowed uh, to, to wide receivers this season. So if I'm going to start a wide receiver in this game, it's actually probably going to be Devontae Parker of the Dolphins. I see him as a $1,000 surplus in DraftKings at just 5000 and a smaller but still good surplus value in FanDuel at 5500 5, at or 550 sorry, at 6000 He has a 20% target share this season. That's 21st among wide receivers, and you probably think of him in that range, kind of in that 
back end wide receiver two, maybe flex consideration type of wide receivers. But Tua Tagovailoa looked, I thought, a lot better uh, in his week in his second start of his career. This gives you a little bit of faith that the passing game for the Dolphins can can do well going forward. Meanwhile, Preston Williams just went on injured reserve, and that happens the week after the team traded Isaiah Ford, their previous slot receiver. None of those are necessarily affecting. Parker's playing time, but it could shift a little bit more of the targets his way as the team has fewer, you know, normal options at the position to go for. Parker, more clearly, I would say, is the superior talent on the team at the moment, which makes him a good option for you, I think, in DFS. Okay, let's go through some other options for you going position by position. I'll start at quarterback where Kyler Murray, by far my number one quarterback for the week, and he ends up actually being at a little bit of a surplus value in DraftKings and FanDuel, which is pretty rare because he, what, he's $8,000 in the former, 8800 in the latter. The, the platforms have called up to how good Murray is this season, but I still love him this week. Partially, I think this is probably because of the Bills matchup. They had a perception as being one of the better defenses based on last season, number six DVOA pass defense, but down to number 15 this season. They've actually improved quarterback completion percentage and yards per attempt this season slightly and are just a small cutter of passing touchdowns per attempt. So I think no concerns there. But then with Murray, obviously the rushing has been the major contributing factor to his fantasy success, and that's not something that you really think about as being a weekly concern. But I will point out that Murray, in his career, 2.6 more fantasy points per game at home than on the road. Kind of a little bit of a surprise there given the rushing, but that's been the case, and that's really not that unusual a split to see for quarterbacks who play their home games in the Dome the way that he does. He is at home this week for Buffalo, so I think he ends up being an excellent player to rely on in DFS. And you kind of have to because a lot of the other best quarterbacks have difficult matchups or like Matt Ryan or Patrick Mahomes, they're just going to buy this week. But if you want to reach down and save a little bit of money, you have a couple of options. Joe Burrow, I see, is a $900 surplus in DraftKings, $600 in FanDuel. Uh, he's, he's priced down very appropriately, I would say, because of the Steelers matchup. The Steelers are one of the best defenses in football. They're top five in DVOA and pass defense DVOA. So I'm not so totally excited to tell you to start Burrow this week. But Burrow has thrown at least 36 pass attempts in every game except his game against the Ravens this season. And even against a fearsome pass rush like the Eagles uh, back earlier in the year, he still had 316 passing yards and three touchdowns, even while getting sacked eight times. So I think that's kind of the game that you're targeting here. Uh, but it's it's obviously not a great matchup. Uh, Derek Carr has a little bit friendlier of one against the Broncos. The Broncos aren't a bad defense by any stretch, number 12 in DVOA pass defense. Uh, but they've been very neutral for all those quarterback metrics, yards per attempt, touchdowns per attempt, etc. And they're a cutter of passing interceptions and fumbles per, per uh, attempt, which is a little bit of a surprise given, I think, what we thought of them coming into the season. But Carr is really another player where the home road makes a, a pretty substantial difference. 4.4 more fantasy points per game at home than on the road since 2017. Among the current starting quarterbacks, that's the fourth highest or, or fourth most extreme split in that time. So Carr is somebody I think you're, you're going to be a little bit more eager to rely on at home than on the road. And, and in my mind, that's a bigger deal in the defensive matchup for him this week. Okay, let's move to running backs. I think there are a couple of obvious guys to target here, getting workload bumps because of injuries to normal starters. The the number one of those two, those guys is Duke Johnson, more than a $1,000 surplus in both DraftKings and FanDuel, where he was priced at just $5,500 prior to news that it seems extremely likely at this point that David Johnson is going to miss this week with the concussion that he suffered last week. Uh, Duke Johnson had 20 touches in relief of David last week, because David went out in the second quarter, 
And while that may seem like a little bit of a surprise because Duke has been a receiving back for most of his career, I think he actually has the size and skill set to be more than that. Uh, the, the thing that I've cited a lot is that he had uh, more than 10% DVOA rushing his last three seasons in Cleveland, but kind of more important for the workload aspect, he's five foot nine and 210 pounds. That gives him a 31 BMI. That's the same as Josh Jacobs. It's also the same as Chase Edmonds, who's his exact same height and weight. And Edmonds pretty easily had 29 and 28 touches in, in relief games in 2019 and 2020. So I wouldn't be stunned to see something similar for, for Duke Johnson this week, especially playing up in Cleveland where it's supposed to be really windy again this, this week. So I think Duke is somebody you want to build a lot of lineups around. Along similar lines, though, Mike Davis running back for the Carolina Panthers, kind of a welcome back game with Christian McCaffrey coming back to dominate touches in week nine, but suffering a late shoulder injury that looks like it's going to knock him out for week 10. Davis, I mean, he was a consistent value for me in both platforms, but he actually seemed as a little bit of a shortfall in DraftKings this week at 6,700, whereas in FanDuel, he's only 5,400, and I see him as a $1,600 surplus. So part of this is just price related with those two platforms, but part of it too is I would say Davis, I have him a little bit less projected this week, given that one, uh, you have Curtis Samuel getting a little bit more work as a rusher, especially in the Davis games. You have both Trenton Cannon and Reggie Bonifant available to split carries. And probably most importantly, the Panthers are playing the Buccaneers, the number three DVOA run defense that even Christian McCaffrey has struggled to produce in fantasy against. So Davis ends up falling a little bit further for me, kind of a back-end RB1 option this week. But he can't fall too far because he had a 56.5% carry share from weeks three to eight with McCaffrey out. That was 12th highest among running backs. He also had a 19.7% target share in that stretch, second highest among running backs. So even if he can't get a lot done on the ground, he'll probably catch some passes in this game to boost his fantasy value up to make him, at least in, dra- uh, at least in FanDuel, I would say, a pretty nice value for the week. Next up, we have DeAndre Swift, about a $1,000 surplus in both platforms. Still relatively inexpensive in DraftKings at 5100 and 6000 in FanDuel. His workload has actually been on the rise of late. 42% carry share since week six, 21st among running backs, 12.2% target share. And that time is ninth highest among running backs. So I think you like him in that spot. The Washington football team, I think, has been... A really good defense, maybe not quite as good as I thought, though the breakout potential was, but they're the number one DVOA pass defense, but they're just 17th against the run. So I think that gives Swift an opportunity to, to get a little bit more work on the ground. They're, the, the Washington football team are a 9% boost for run plays given that split, and that's the sixth highest uh, of all defenses. Next up, Leonard Fournette, Buccaneers against the Panthers. I see him as a $750 surplus in DraftKings at $5,500, $500 surplus in FanDuel at $6,400. The Bucks had just five carries last week, which is an historically low total in that Saints blowout game on Sunday night. Uh, to me, I'm throwing that game out on a number of respects. Uh, but I will point out that the Saints are a consistent cutter of opposing teams' run plays, in part because they tend to go up in games, which they obviously did against the Buccaneers. I think it's going to be a dramatically different story this week against the Panthers, who boost run plays, but also are one of the best rushing matchups in period for running backs, increasing yards per carry by 7% and touchdowns per carry by 42%, both top 10 in football, the latter top five in football. Still, the Fournette call here is is partially informed by my personal opinion that he is going to eventually take over workload for Ronald Jones, who has had really struggled with drops so far this season. It wasn't really possible to tell in week five, uh, week nine with five total carries how that was going to suss out if they had had more. But 
I, I'm kind of taking the, the the gamble that I think Fournette is going to probably have more carries this week in addition to targets. And so I like him more than Ronald Jones, certainly, but like him as a nice value in DFS as well. Next up, let's talk about this Green Bay-Jacksonville game. I mentioned the Cleveland game having some heavy wins, which could be a boost for somebody like Nick Chubb, for instance. But I think this game is projected for near 30-mile-per-hour winds and cold temperatures, very similar to in Week 8. When I'm sure you remember Dalvin Cook had 30 total carries, 226 total yards, and four touchdowns. Uh, so obviously the Packers run defense a little bit of a struggle, and I think that can be good for James Robinson, who I'll talk about in a second. But remember that Aaron Jones missed that game, and he'll be playing this week. And I think that gives him an opportunity for like a similar type of strategy from the Packers' perspective to not throw the ball with the weather making it difficult to do so. I see Jones is a, is a pretty nice value in DraftKings at 500, just a $7,100 price tag, but he's priced up at 8,800 in FanDuel, so he's a shortfall in value there. Still, I don't hate the idea of building lineups around him because, in addition to the good weather, he's playing at home and playing that Jaguars defense that are a booster of run plays by 5%. They're also an increaser of touchdowns per carry by 25%. That's top 10 in football. So it wouldn't be stunning at all to see Jones with 20-plus touches and a touchdown or two this weekend and could be a big boost for your fantasy lineups. But James Robinson, I mean, you're tempted to say that I mean he's no Dalvin Cook, but I will point out that the Jaguars are the sixth best adjusted line yard run blocking team. The Vikings are obviously first with Cook, but it, it's the Jaguars are kind of equipped to do something similar to the Vikings and the Jaguars are incentivized to do that with an inexperienced quarterback and playing a team that in general is better than them. So, I mean, you could see Robinson end up with 30 plus carries in this game uh, if the Jaguars are able to, to stick in the game. So it, it kind of depends on if their defense can stop Green Bay at all. But I do think the weather tends to make that a little bit easier to do. The Packers, as you can guess, are a great matchup for opposing running backs in general, boosting yards per carry by 7% and touchdowns per carry by 93%. That's the most in football. But they're also a top three booster of running back completion rate, receiving yards per target and receiving touchdowns per target, which I think probably is relevant uh, for Robinson as well. He doesn't see as much receiving work as Chris Thompson, their receiving back usually, but is good for a handful of targets per game and could really boost his value that way kind of as a way to raise his floor if the Jaguars end up going down by multiple scores. But he's probably mostly a tournament play anyway because you're looking for, for that type of game script that le lets them run the ball a lot against the Packers this week. Continuing with the theme, but switching over to wide receivers, Devontae Adams, I still see him as a big surplus at $1,500 in DraftKings at his $9,000 price tag, slight shortfall in FanDuel. I just talked about how the weather could be a detriment to the passing attack, but Adams still scored multiple touchdowns, I think, in, in week eight. It's, he's, just, he's getting such an incredible amount of target share that it's hard to, to kind of vote against him from a fantasy perspective. He's had at least 10 targets in all five of his healthy games this season and is actually averaging 13.2 targets per game in those games, just an incredible amount. And so I think he's probably the number one wide receiver in general, which is not always reflected in his DFS prices. I will mention that Alan Lazard looks like he's going to come back for this game, but to me that isn't really a factor as much for Adams' target share. So happy to rely on him in fantasy this week, even though there are circumstances that make you a little bit nervous. If you're looking for a player with a pretty heavy target share who's maybe not dealing with extreme conditions, I'll point out Tyler Lockett, a really nice value in particular in DraftKings where he's just 6500 I see him as more than $1,000 surplus there. He's more expensive in FanDuel at 7400 but he's still a 150 surplus in my mind. 
DK Metcalf gets most of the attention, I would say, among the, the Seahawks receivers. And I mean, who can blame that? But uh, Lockett actually has a higher target share this season. 24.6% is ninth highest among all wide receivers. Metcalf's at 23.9% is 11th. So I would say Lockett can sometimes be a really sneaky top-end option for you. And then kind of a similar story with Stephon Diggs. I'm, I'm not sure how people have caught up to the fact how good the Bills' passing attack is and how how normal it is for them to skew toward the pass given their difficulty running the ball and given Josh Allen's success this season. But Diggs has a 23.9% target share that's the second highest among wide receivers just behind Keenan Allen. He actually passed DeAndre Hopkins in recent weeks. So, I mean, one of the premier target guys in the league, he ends up with a $450 surplus for me in DraftKings at 7500 close to neutral at 7900 in FanDuel. But another guy that you can kind of put at the top of your lineups here. Playing the Cardinals, who I think are actually a pretty good matchup for number one wide receivers, even though their overall pass defense is pretty good. They boost completion rate uh, by 10%, yards per target by 13%, and touchdowns per target by 75% to number one receivers. So good opportunity, I think, for Diggs to have a big game in the Dome in Arizona. If you're looking for some guys that maybe aren't at the top of the price tag list at wide receiver, I'll, I'll give you a couple here. Brandon Ayuk is one that I like a lot. $450 surplus in DraftKings, $150 surplus in FanDuel. With my projections right now, which currently consider Debo Samuel possibly playing, but Samuel is looking increasingly likely to miss this game as he's been missing practice all week. And I think that would only be good news for Ayuk, who's had 17 targets and 206 receiving yards in his last two available games with Samuel getting hurt. Obviously, he missed last week with that false COVID, uh, COVID situation on Thursday night. So a little, kind of a crazy situation that may have Ayuk a little bit out of mind at the moment. But I think he's a tremendous value this week against the Saints. And then Jacoby Myers, 42.1% target shared the last two weeks, is second highest among wide receivers. I think he's full on the Julian Edelman replacement in the, in the Patriots offense. And the, the fact that the Patriots defense has declined so horribly this season is making the Patriots pass a little bit more than I think they probably want to and that they were definitely doing early in the season. So Myers ends up becoming a nice value for me. $350 surplus in DraftKings, where he's just $4,500. $200 surplus in, Fan, uh, in FanDuel at 54 I think another guy, nice guy to round out your lineups this week. And then let's close this thing out with some tight ends. Uh, with Travis Kelsey on by, there are not a lot of tremendous options for you this week, but I'll at least point out that Darren Waller, I think, has a nice matchup against Denver. Uh, I see him as a surplus value in DraftKings at 650 at his $5,900 price tag. He's more expensive in FanDuel at 7000 but still, I, I understand if you want to use him. He has a 28.9% target share this season, by far the most at the position. Kelsey's in second at 24%, and no other tight end is at 22% or higher. So, I mean, totally understand if you want to give, give him the go there. Uh, and then if you want to go a little bit less expensive, you can use TJ Hawkinson, 5,100 in DraftKings and 6,200 in FanDuel. He's been one of the premier tight end scorers this season at a position that has very few of them. And that's been more so because of his touchdown scoring. 4.47 opportunity adjusted receiving touchdowns this season is the most at the position. He also faces that Washington football team this week. that has been a big booster of tight end touchdown rate. They boost it by 64%. That's top five in football. And then again, if you want to dig a little bit deeper, I would say Austin Hooper ends up being a, a nice value in both platforms. He's just 3900 in DraftKings, 5100 in FanDuel, so about a $500 surplus in both. He's back practicing after missing several weeks because of appendicitis and having an appendectomy. 
but the, the trends before that injury or, or illness or whatever you would call it occurred, he saw 10 targets the first three weeks, but then bumped up to 23 in the three weeks prior to the injury or illness. So I think he was kind of getting into that tight end one range, getting adjusted to his new team in Cleveland. And I think you're just kind of hoping that maybe the weather won't be as big a factor for a short area target like Hooper is maybe more of an issue for guys trying to stretch the ball down the field in Houston a really nice matchup for everybody in the passing game including tight ends next up Logan Thomas Washington football team $900 surplus in DraftKings at uh, $3,300 $200 surplus at $4,900 in FanDuel he has a really nice 17% target share this season that's seventh highest among tight ends and I'm thinking that it may be the case that with Alex Smith at quarterback he as well as the running backs will be seeing a few more targets we saw that in particular, I'd say, with J.D. McKissick, who had 14 last week. But I could see the tight end getting a little bit of boost with the quarterback transition as well. And then Jordan Reed, former Washington player, now with the 49ers, $900 surplus in DraftKings at $3,500, $250 at $5,000 in FanDuel. He only had three yards last week against the Packers. But I'll point out that he had the 14 targets in weeks two and three with George Kittle out. I still think he's going to be a pretty big targeted substitute for the normal elite tight end. I don't think Reed is going to be elite necessarily, uh, but at least while he's healthy enough to play, I think he'll probably be a back-end tight end one. And then Robert Tanyan, somebody that's produced like a tight end one this season that I've dropped a little bit with Alan Lazard coming back from a true talent perspective, but he still ends up as a, a, a nice surplus of 750 in DraftKings where he's only 3,600 because the Jaguars matchup in my mind is just very appealing. They're the number three booster of tight end y- yards per target by 29%, and they boost tight end touchdowns per target by more than 100%. So I could see Tanyan maybe sneaking in a touchdown, even if he's getting five or fewer targets this week. And kind of what I was saying with the, with Hooper in the win situation, maybe a boost for him that he's more of a shallow field target, whereas guys like Valdez, Scantling, and Lazard maybe doing their work down the field could be a lot harder this week with the heavy wins in Green Bay. Okay, that's going to wrap up this week's episodes of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast platforms. And then swing back next Tuesday to hear all of our waiver wire recommendations for Week 11. Thanks so much. Enjoy your your games this weekend, and I'll talk to you then.